This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast. My name is Jayant Shriram and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we discuss the Iran nuclear deal. and look at where things stand with regard to its possible revival now by the Biden administration in the US the iran nuclear deal or the joint comprehensive plan of action was an agreement struck under the obama administration in 2015 and which the us then withdrew from in 2018 under president donald trump that withdrawal had huge geopolitical consequences as does the question now of whether talks taking place in vienna between delegations led by the US and other members of the original 2015 deal including Iran will be successful in bringing the deal back to the table the larger backdrop to the whole issue or a kind of ticking clock whichever way you see it is that Iran will go in for elections in June and there is the possibility of a more hardline leadership coming in that can scuttle any such efforts So what is the Iran nuclear deal what does it mean for various players in the region and why is its revival now important these are the questions i'll take up today with the hindus international affairs editor and our resident expert on the middle east stanley johnny stanley welcome back to the infocus podcast thank you once again for joining us thank you jayant So before we begin let's just uh, take stock overall of where things stand in terms of reviving the Iran nuclear deal. Um and this is through this is through diplomatic channels there are talks in Vienna between the remaining members of the Iran nuclear deal that is China China Russia the UK France Germany and Iran and these talks have been ongoing and they've raised hopes for the revival of the deal. Um so you know wh- where do those talks stand um how realistic is the possibility of the deal being revived? Jayan, the positive side of the story is that after Biden became the president, you know, so the Biden administration has stated that it is committed to reviving the nuclear deal. So Biden has appointed a special envoy for uh, Iran. They have sent their delegates uh, to Vienna. So Iran also, Iran initially said that it won't have any talks with uh, the United States at least until the sanctions are removed and the U.S. returns to the deal. Uh, but then, you know, Iran agreed to. Uh, holding at least indirect talks with uh, with the Americans so in vienna what is happening direct talks are happening between the remaining members of the deal including iran and the europeans are holding or arranging indirect talks between the iranians and the americans so practically all sides are now in talks and the russians have already expressed confidence that uh, the deal that the talks are in an advanced stage uh, so we have i mean generally there are hopes that iran nuclear deal could be revived uh but there are stumbling blocks blocks in a sense uh, let's say uh, the uh, the public position of uh, tehran is that uh, it was the united states that breached the deal first and which is true factually speaking and uh, the iranians insist the americans uh, return to the deal and remove the sanctions that the trump administration imposed on iran um whereas uh, the biden administration has said that iran has to comply with the terms of the agreement because Iran has started breaching the terms of the agreement you know gradually after president trump's decision to uh, pull out of the nuclear deal uh, so this this is there is a stalemate uh, in this 
So all these issues, I think, have to be resolved through talks in Vienna. So those, those talks are still continuing. So the larger picture is that there is a consensus. There is a broader consensus among all members that the Iran nuclear deal has to be revived. Because uh, you look at the Americans, because the United States sees the Iranian nuclear program as a, you know, as a major challenge. And the Biden administration has made it clear that it is ready to follow the Obama model of engaging Iran, uh, you know, uh, revive the deal. So that's cuttle Iran's nuclear program. Because if you are failing to do it diplomatically, uh, the other option is to do it militarily, which would be catastrophic because it is this is the time when the United States is actually uh, exiting uh, the conflict zones, right? Uh, whether it is Afghanistan, uh, whether it is the Middle East. Right. So the United States would not like to have one more conflict in the region. The best possible possible scenario for the United States to scuttle Iran's nuclear program is to do it diplomatically. And the best way to do it diplomatically is to do it before June, before in June Iran is going to the presidential election. So we don't know who's uh, going to come in Iran after Hassan Rouhani. So uh, actually the clock is ticking. And from the Iranian side also, Rouhani bet his legacy on the nuclear deal. Trump tried to destroy it. Now he has an opening with Biden in the White House. And Iran is also, despite its posturing rhetoric or whatever, Iran is also facing deep economic pressure. And there are fissures in Iranian society as well. There were protests last year, uh, you know, um, uh, massive protests against the government last year and mounting economic worries, which were made much worse by the coronavirus pandemic. So Iran would also like to re-enter the deal and have the sanctions lifted. So, yeah, there is a convergence of interest on both sides, but the specifics need to be sorted out. Right. So uh, it's just worth looking again, I think, at how exactly we got here, because this has, as you said, uh, become a bit of a crisis and certainly something that the US uh, feels needs immediate resolving. Now, just to go back a bit, um, President Donald Trump, well, it, it, it was no secret that he was against the Iran nuclear deal. He was against a lot of Obama's policies uh, in general. But I think he tried to take a tougher stance on this. He tried to sort of pull out of the deal and give Iran tougher terms and expect them to come back to the negotiating table, which they didn't. And then he responded with sanctions. And then what's happened now is that in the absence of that deal and with sanctions imposed, um, it does look as if Iran is uh, kind of moving ahead to, well, I'll let you explain the specifics of this, yeah. but it does look like they sort of moved ahead to, you know, took the whole uranium production to a higher level, worked toward developing an actual nuclear weapon, which is what nobody in the region wants. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what happened? How did that crisis happen and how, how did we get to this point? Yeah, uh, see, uh, my sense is that uh, uh, Donald Trump actually underestimated the resolve of the Iranians because he thought that the Iranians engaged with the Obama administration. They agreed to compromise on their nuclear program so that you have a nuclear deal. But the Trump administration or the Republicans and the neoconservatives in Washington, D.C. were not happy with uh, the actual nuclear agreement. So they wanted tougher terms to be imposed on Iran. So Trump's calculation was that this nuclear deal, Trump had threatened to tear it up even during the uh, you know, 2016 election campaign. So his calculation was that you pull the Americans out of the nuclear deal, let it collapse, let Iran suffer, and reimpose sanctions on Iran, you know, and bleed Iran's economy so that the Iranians would come back to talks. 
so that was the overall calculation was that but that i think that calculation miss i mean that actually miscalculated iran's uh, resolve because from you look at it from the iranian point of view the iranians they compromised once before the uh, nuclear deal was actually reached let's let's take a look at uh, iran's uh, policy iran's strategy you know uh, so the point was that Ira- iranians have already said that they never wanted to make the bomb they never wanted the bomb but uh, i think or uh, anybody who looked at iran's nuclear strategy uh, could understand that i think iran wanted to reach the capacity to make the bomb whether they wanted to make the bomb or not because that is important the capacity is important that adds a lot of geopolitical weight to your positions so that's why iran because iran always insisted that their program was for nuclear program was for peaceful purposes but iran was uh, you know enriching a higher stockpile of uranium uh, than what is actually needed for the civilian nuclear program so you need higher quantity of uh, nuclear fuel and then you need higher number of advanced centrifuges to uh, turn this nuclear fuel or to enrich into a higher purity to a 90% purity which is the weapons grade fuel so iranian nuclear program was in an advanced stage when obama uh, came to power and obama's policy was to address this through diplomatic means and he did it because according to the 2015 nuclear agreement uh, you know the quantity of the uranium production has been capped at a lower level and also the purity level was also capped at 3.67% the weapons grade uh, uh, purity is 90% and also the number of centrifuges which iran could keep also capped at a certain level so basically the what what they call the breakout period the breakout period is what you need to make a bomb uh, so iran's breakout period was prolonged by uh, the nuclear deal and also iranian nuclear plants including fordo arak or uh, natanz its most important plant uh, these plants were open for international inspections so the deal nuclear deal practically uh scuttled iran's nuclear program and that's what obama wanted but trump thought that right. uh, by by uh, you know disowning the deal by abandoning the deal the americans could force iran to come back to the talks again and then you know reimpose stricter measures on iran but the iranians knew this you know they are also realists so what they did instead of giving in to pressure from the trump administration they came up with you know Uh, let's say maximum resistance to trump's maximum pressure so when trump imposed sanctions on iran what iran did iran or its proxies targeted started attacking ships in the strait of hormuz or saudi arabia's uh, oil facilities so by doing that they were sending a message to those in washington dc that your only way to address the nuclear program is to do it diplomatically if you are going to war we are going to make it expensive deadlier for you and that message i think resonated well in washington because trump never went to war with uh, uh, iran because trump basically by abandoning the nuclear deal trump lost whatever you know bargaining chip the americans had and biden is now trying to revive those uh, those bargaining chips actually right so stanley do we have an idea in all of this of what iran's actual strategy is um I mean, where, where do you think they stand now? Does it seem like they want the bomb, or do they want to sort of uh, resolve this through, through diplomatic channels? What is their strategy? Uh, yeah. Uh, see, Jayant, uh, I think uh, when Iran started violating the terms of the agreement, le- let's look at it chronologically. 
Trump uh, pulled the United States out of the deal in 2018. Iran waited for a year because what Iran wanted was the remaining members of the nuclear deal like Britain, France, Germany, Russia, China, European Union as a whole. So Iran wanted these remaining signatories to salvage the deal and provide the promised economic benefit to Iran. But the problem is that once the United States imposes sanctions, it is difficult for other countries to pro provide the promise to relief to Iran because uh, with dollar being the global currency and America's banking system prevalent across the global financial system, it is difficult for any country to defy American sanctions, including the Europeans. So uh, the European countries uh, and others found it difficult to provide, offer the promised help economic assistance to Iran uh, in, during that time. So Iran waited for a year. And in 2019, Iran started violating the terms of the agreement because Iran wanted to put some pressure on the remaining countries uh, to extract concessions from them. And by 2020, when there were, you know, everybody was calculating or expecting Trump to lose uh, the US election. So a Democrat was going to come to power and Joe Biden was Obama's vice president. So the Iranians also, I think, calculated on the same lines because they thought that if, if Biden comes to power, if Biden followed the Obama era policy of engaging Iran, so there, Biden uh, would open talks with the Iranians. So Iran wanted something. So something to bargain with the Americans, you know. So I think Iran, that was the calculus uh, calculation behind Iran's move to violate the nuclear deal. And then uh, external factors also came in, like uh, the Iranian nuclear scientist was assassinated late last year, uh, which Iran blamed the Israelis. So when Mohsen Fakhrizadeh was killed, Iran's response was to uh, enrich uranium to a higher uh, purity level of 20%. So I think this Iran's, uh, Iran is clearly sending a message to everybody, to the United States, to the Israelis and others that uh, its nuclear program or it, it has its technical know-how of its nuclear program is widely scattered among Iran's nuclear scientists. So whatever you do sub to subvert Iran's nuclear program by killing nuclear scientists or subverting Iranian nuclear plants, we are not going to deny the te technical know-how of the Iranians. So despite these subversive activities, Iran, the message Iran is sending to the outside world is that it is committed to expand its nuclear program unless the sanctions are removed. Yeah, and you uh, look at how Iran has responded to these challenges, starting with Trump's decision. So the nuclear deal, the original nuclear deal had capped uh, uranium enrichment level at 3.67%. So Iran, initially, Iran has uh, raised it to 5%, 4.67%, and then to 20%. And now for the first time, Iran is uh, enriching uranium to 60% uh, purity. So which is a step from the 90% purity, that is the weapons grade uh, uranium. And there were reports that Iran is also producing uranium metal, which is used in the nuclear uh, weapons. And then, uh, you know, Iran has in, in, in Natanz, uh, Iran has advanced centrifuges and advanced centrifuges are used to, to produce a higher purity uranium. So basically, all the message Iran is sending is that despite whatever you are doing, Iran's nuclear program is uh, right on track and Iran can expand its nuclear program despite the threats coming from outside. 
unless the United States and other countries come forward to hold talks and find a diplomatic solution to the crisis. Right. So you mentioned some external uh, challenges, some some external interferences, if you like. Um, you mentioned the killing of the Iranian nuclear scientist last year. Yeah. Um, I think we did another podcast on that, and I think we linked to that along with this one, so that uh, our listeners can get an idea. Because I think that when we discussed this last year, things were at a different stage. Yeah. So, um, so just to sort of touch on that. uh there was that incident there was also the recent attack on the natanz plant that you mentioned that um, you know everyone largely suspects that israel had a hand in just to kind of take off from that you know where do things stand in the region who um, what is israel's position on the iran nuclear deal in that in that region who wants it to progress who wants to derail it yeah i think israel has always been opposed to the iran nuclear deal even when obama was the president and obama went ahead ignoring israel's resentment you know uh Netanyahu went to DC and addressed American right. Congress practically attacking the Obama administration uh and the Saudis were also opposed to the Obama era uh, engagement with uh, uh Iran but i think now the Saudis have come to terms with uh, that anyway Biden is going to go ahead with uh his uh, whatever his plans to revive the nuclear deal so there were recently ft had financial times had reported that uh, the saudis held talks direct talks with uh, the iranians saudi arabia is coming to terms with the reality that it ha- it will have to live with a more mainstreamed iranian regime but for israel uh, there are two problems you know one is i mean at least there is a difference of looking at uh, the I- iran problem from an israeli and american uh, lenses uh, the united states sees the sees the iranian nuclear program as the main challenge i think i don't think the americans would have from a strategic point of view the americans would have any problem with an economically more powerful iran so so that is why the united states is ready to lift the sanctions and allow uh, the islamic republic of uh, uh, iran to enter the diplomatic and economic mainstream of the middle east in return for scuttling its nuclear program so that is the american position that was the obama uh, administration's position and that is i think the position of the biden administration but the israelis have uh, you know a, a broader problem because the israelis see yeah of course the nuclear program is certainly an issue because uh, if iran um, attains nuclear bomb that would you know shatter israel's nuclear monopoly in the region though israel hasn't accept admitted it publicly Uh, everybody knows that israel is a nuclear power and israel is the only nuclear power in the middle east right so if iran becomes a nuclear power that israeli monopoly would be shattered that is one thing and secondly if iran's nuclear program has been curtailed in return for lifting of sanctions which means iran would become economically more powerful and that would also you know uh, redraw the balance of power in the region so israel would not like a more powerful uh iran either so it, israel faces this twin dilemma on the one side you have to deal with the iranian you you should prevent iran from becoming a nuclear power because if iran becomes the nuclear power it would shatter it would destroy israel's nuclear monopoly and it would alter the balance of power in the region and secondly israel would also like to stop iran from becoming a major economic power because iran is a big country with natural resources you know with uh, uh, you know with the primacy of geopolitics being situated at the face of the persian gulf and if iran is allowed to, to claim its natural economic might 
that would also alter the balance of power in the region. So this is there is a divergence of looking at the Iran problem from Washington DC and Tel Aviv. This is the problem. So the Israelis, what they are trying to do now, they by carrying out these attacks, like I think Israel hasn't publicly uh, taken responsibility for these activities, which is the Israeli position. But I think there is pretty much there is a consensus that Israel has deep assets. Uh, you know, spy networks. Israel has cultivated deep spy networks within Iran, and it is carrying out these activities. Be it uh, the attacks within the nuclear plants, like what happened recently, or the assassination of Mohsen Fakhrizadeh. So Israel is trying to uh, do two things. One is to weaken the Iranian nuclear program by carrying out these attacks. Two, Israel is provoking Iran because when the Vienna talks are on, at the same time when there are attacks. In within Iran's most important nuclear plant, if Iran responds militarily, that response could be, you know, kind of uh, flared up into a major conflict. And if there is a major conflict, the nuclear talks could be derailed. And if there are no nuclear talks, the sanctions are not going to be removed. So I think Israel, Israel from from a very Israeli strategic point of view, is also playing a, a you know, a, let's say a strategic game uh, in this to topple the nuclear deal as well as weaken the Iranian nuclear program. So Iran seems to have understood this, you know, this challenge. So what Iran is doing now to the Israeli, you know, uh, provocative attacks, Iran is not responding militarily at least. So Iran is only issuing rhetoric while at the same time it is remaining uh, committed to the talks in Vienna. Right. And uh, let's just end this, Stanley, with the talks in Vienna itself. Um, you know, w- what's the what's the timeline for these talks? When do we expect some kind of decision or some kind of resolution? I think they haven't uh, announced any timeline for this. This is an open uh, uh, dialogue and it is going on. But as I said earlier, the best possibility of reviving the nuclear deal is to do it or at least create a roadmap for reviving the nuclear deal before Iran goes to the presidential election. That is happening in June. Because uh, after the presidential election, I had a hardliner could be uh, Iran's president who could have a completely different view of the nuclear talks with the United States. Because the United States is still the great Satan for many of Iran's leading politicians. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you more about the upcoming election in Iran. But I think we'll leave that for a separate episode in itself. And we'll do that closer to the election. Sure. But um, I think we've, we'll, we'll wrap up this episode for its part uh, here today. And thank you for joining us, uh, Sandy, on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon. <laughs>